hungry And I couldn't show it Had so much love to give And I didn't know it And then you came around Turned my world upside down Something happened when I found you I was crazy Nerves all distorted Guts like a brush fire Gone unreported You stepped into my heart Accepted me from the start Life has been magic Since I found you I was clearly clueless Lost and adrift Wasted enough to welcome Death has a I saw how sick and stupid I'd been Have I almost liked me since I found you? I almost liked me since I found you
And you're listening to Pacific Street Blues here on KIWR 89.7 The River. With me this morning is Nils Lofgren, and we just got done listening to his, a couple of songs by him from his earlier solo career. I think about 1975, we heard the song Cry Tough, which is on the album, which came out in 97, Code of the Road, Greatest Hits Live. And then off his latest album, which recently came out, we just heard the opening title or the opening track off the album, I Found You. Uh, Nils, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Rick. How are you? I'm doing well, and I really, as I said, uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of yours, and I'm a fan of the bands that you've been in in the past. So I've kind of followed your career uh, for a while now. <laughs> well, that's great. I've been at it a long time, and uh, you know, had really excited to have a new record out. And uh, I found you actually. The second track on my new album is uh, kind of a close one to my heart. It's a uh, kind of a strange fictional story about the perfect girl that couldn't exist and then i got to run into her and marry her so uh it's kind of a strange beautiful uh story and uh, i'm glad i finally got it on a record now when you write a song uh we'll just throw the script away when you write a song what's the songwriting process because i find it's different for a lot of people and well, mine mine's very unregimented. It's uh, there's no one way to do it. I, I walk around with a notebook and I jot down phrases, ideas, themes. Sometimes more complete than others. Sometimes just a catchy couple words that I don't even know how I'm going to use them. I just like them, and I write music a lot. Just riffs. They're always in my head, and a lot of times I'll just throw it on a boombox. I, I have boomboxes around the house, and I'll just throw a riff down and go back to what I'm doing, and it's kind of like. Uh, a puzzle. You find a riff that matches a theme, and you put it on the table, then it's filling in the blanks. And if you're lucky, once in a while a song will all come at once, and those are my favorite because they require the least amount of work. And then you have others that have been a work in progress for years, and finally you give up and steal from it and stick it in a new one. <laughs> you know, like take the chorus from song, a song you've been working on for three years, you can't finish, and you get excited with a new idea, and you need a bridge, and you turn that chorus into the bridge of the new one, call it a day, and junk the old one because it was taking too long. Do, do you ever reuse phrases in songs? Sure. I mean, I, I don't know about the exact phrase. I mean, obviously, like a song title like Cry Tough, it'd be hard to use that. It'd be a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, a lot of the, there's a lot of words that you come back to. I mean, of course, that's true in any writing because there's, you know, only so many ways you can say hurt or cry or laugh. I mean, uh, without getting silly about finding ways to camouflage it. But, uh, I don't really do that a lot, but, you know, certainly, uh, there's general themes of kind of hope and ups and downs in all my songs. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to, I mean, you write about emotions that you feel, but you, it's fun to write about, uh, fictional characters. I mean, there's very few autobiographical songs, although there are some, but if you take fictional characters, then you can uh, have the, you know, more crazy situations to write about or yeah. greater pain or lesser pain or happier days than you might be in at the, at that moment. One, one of the things, uh, and well, one of the things I like about your music is that some artists tend to focus on thematically or whatever one area like love or relationships, but you're all over the board. I mean, and I mean that in a good way in that uh, on one song you're talking about Keith Richards' trial in Toronto, <laughs> and, and which is what I assumed it was, uh, uh, Keith Don't Go. Is yeah, that... well, that was uh, originally on the live album. I, right. I mean, uh, eventually on the live album, I said, don't go to Toronto, because, of course, he was up for a drug bust. But at the time I wrote that on the Tonight's Night tour on Neil, with Neil Young in 73, it was kind of just a thank you 
for all the great music and just representing all his fans, kind of saying, hey, thanks. And by the way, we'd sure like it if you took care of yourself and stuck around a while. Because yeah, I got to tell you, uh, it was the live album that I heard that the first time on. I remember buying that because I think that came out right after Cry Tough. Is that, am I remembering correctly? Let's see, after Cry Tough was I Came to Dance okay. in 77, and then, yes, the Night After Night live record came out. And when I was on tour in England recording that live album, that's when the whole scuttlebutt went down with the drug bust in Toronto. Right. So I started singing that nightly in the show, um, you know, and it uh, wound up on the live record. Well, well, let's do this. Let's For listeners that may not be familiar with Nils Lofgren, Let's let's allow me to give a brief recap, and then we'll talk about it. Nils uh, started out uh, from the Washington D.C. area, and it's my impression in 1968, somehow or another, you uh, ran into Neil Young and uh, developed a relationship with him uh, by playing him songs backstage or something. Yeah, he was uh, my band Grin, which was the local group that was was about to head to L.A. and. I used to sneak backstage and ask questions of professional musicians because I was 17. I'd just turned professional. I didn't know anything. And I was backstage bothering Neil and the Crazy Horse Band, and he was kind enough to give me his Martin guitar and ask me to sing a song, and he liked it and asked me to sing another. And eventually I pretty much sang the whole first Grin record, which this was two years before it was made. And uh, he invited me to stay with him for two days, watch his shows, visit in the afternoons at the hotel. And we started a friendship that uh, I'm very grateful for and has lasted to this day. And uh, just three weeks later, my band Grin did go to L.A. and we looked up Neil and his producer, David Briggs, kind of took us under his wing, wound up producing the, the four Grin albums. And uh, actually at 18 years of age, while Grin was finding our way, Neil asked me to joined the uh, After the Gold Rush project and be a part of that album, which was a huge uh, experience for an 18-year-old. And, and uh, you were actually on the album, as you say, After the Gold Rush, and, and then uh, I know you were on Trans as well. Well, after After the Gold Rush, um, Crazy Horse, who I was good friends with, wanted right. to make a record without Neil. And Danny Witten, who was still the heart and soul of Crazy Horse, who was still alive, Jack Nitsche and I joined the band, Jack produced, and we made a great, and really the only real Crazy Horse record. Is, is that uh, area code 615 or what? Is that No, it's just called Crazy Horse, the big horse's head on front. Okay. okay. And that's the only uh, really full Crazy Horse record, because then Danny went and died on us. Right, right. And uh, I immediately, after that, wound up uh, getting into the Tonight's the Night album and tour with Neil Young and Ralphie, the drummer, uh, and Billy of Crazy Horse, and Ben Keith played Pedal Steel, and Tonight's the Night was kind of a really strange, dark period um, where we all kind of got together and commiserated. And, <laughs> well, there was uh, the Tequila Tour, right? Is that what yeah, the nickname Yeah, the Tequila Tieweed Tour. Okay. And uh, <laughs> we smuggled it all into England and, and had kind of a, a wake party for our departed friend Danny and also Bruce Barry, who was a good roadie, uh, dear friend who died too, and so that we was kind of like, you know, some strange dark healing going on uh, through the music, and it was a great experience. Uh, it was good to be with friends during that time. And then uh, fast forward, the next thing I really did with Neil was uh, the Trans Tour in 82 or 3, and then in the 90s, the uh, MTV Unplugged, okay. which okay. was a, a lot of fun. And meanwhile, through the early 70s, my band Grin made four albums and played constantly, and at 75, I went on my own solo and did that Fat Man album, which was my first solo record. Okay, and and the Cry Tough album, as I recall, because I was only 15 at the time, uh, really 
kind of got on the verge of breaking pretty big, didn't it? Well, it was. It did get more airplay. Uh, it did especially well in England. Uh, never had a, a hit single or any of that, but it was getting some good attention from okay. from some of the magazines and all that. But it was more just um, word of mouth and uh, buzz on the street than actual any commercial success or real airplay to speak of. Now, I can remember locally uh, there there was a radio station whose call letters still exist, so I can't use them because I'm on a different station. But okay. they played the single uh, pretty heavily, so I remember at a, at a young age thinking, who's this guy? You know? <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah, uh, back in the old days when I, I used to actually be on the radio once in a while. You know, radio <laughs> is so crazy. I, it, it baffles me. I, I'm sure as an artist, it must be very frustrating to have all these years and such a great resume and not be able to walk out and say, here's my new single and get massive attention right away. It's just got to drive you nuts. Well, you know, I'm this September will be 34 years on the road and I'm kind of got a sense of humor about it. I'm so grateful to be singing and playing. Uh, I feel well and uh, I think I'm getting better at what I do. I'm out playing with a great band and touring. I've got a website kind of starting all over with a new business. And fortunately, there's people like yourself that have the freedom to play some of my music and um, keep spreading the word a bit. So I'm, I'm real grateful to be around. I've buried a lot of talented friends and watched a lot of my heroes, like Jimi Hendrix, musical heroes anyway, just pass away. So I, yeah, the music business is, is annoying and, and corporate, but in the big picture, I'm lucky as hell to to be singing and playing well after 34 years professionally and, and, and excited about making new music. Fantastic. Well, I know we're going to talk about the new album, which just came out, which uh, uh, is entitled, let me get this right here. Uh, I know I've got it written down because I don't, uh, what is it? I'll tell you, Breakaway Angels. Breakaway Angels. God bless, I, I got it written down here. but, <laughs> sorry, but if, you, if you can't find your notes, I should have all the answers. Okay, right? yeah, I know. It's just kind of embarrassing. I'm supposed Use to be prepared me. here. Okay, I will. <laughs> all right, so the new album, Breakaway Angel, is out. But I want to uh, refer to uh, one more band that you've been in that people may recognize you from, which is, of course, the E Street Band along with Bruce Springsteen. And, sure. Uh, you joined the band in, I think, 85, is that right? Uh, May of 84, 18 years ago. Okay. And a ben- uh, proud member of the E Street Band. And, of course, uh, Bruce has uh, indicated he's putting out a, a fabulous new record July 30th. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's seriously considering going out and playing a bit, so that would be exciting, too. And I've always, uh, I'm a real uh, team player. I love being in, in bands, and I'm quite happy to be the leader, but... Uh, I've gotten, of course, with Neil Young and, and Bruce, and then in '89 and ni- I'm sorry, '89 and '92, I did the first two Ringo Starr All Star right, bands, right. and it's really fun to stop being the leader once in a while, not be the boss, and just get to be a, a guy in the band. Right. So it's all part of a great, you know, 34 year run. I'm very, you know, happy to have taken and, and be right in the thick of, you know, after a long time doing it. And and, and you certainly picked, uh, you know not only a great solo career, but two pretty nice bands to be a member of. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I consider, you know, between the Neil Young bands and Ringo Starr's all-star bands and the E Street band, those are three of the greatest, you know, live and, and recording situations I've, I've ever been in. And uh, looking back, it is a special part of rock history and music history. And the Beatles were the reason I fell in love with rock and roll. I was a classical accordionist when they came <laughs> out. So, uh, I'm just grateful to play in great bands. I've had more than my fair share of uh, unusually 
wonderful situations to participate in, so uh, I'm grateful for all of it. Well, just to remind the listeners then, we are speaking to Nils Lofgren this morning, and Nils' new album, which is entitled Breakaway Angel, has just come out. And of course, uh, Nils was in, as he indicated earlier, uh, a band called Grin, solo career, the Nils Lofgren band, uh, which continued, put out an album in uh, 97, and then continues today. Uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse, and then the E Street Band, so uh, pretty impressive, uh, extremely impressive. Well, Ring. thanks. I've, like I say, I love to perform. I love playing music. And if I love the people and the music, which is the case with, uh, of course, Neil Young or, or Bruce and, and Ringo Starr, and it's uh, a treat, you know. It's just a thrill to go out and play great music with, with special musicians and players and get to know each other and kind of be a little gang running around the world sharing uh, some gifts we didn't really ask for. We're just kind of cultivating them. So it's I've been very blessed and lucky to do this. Well, I have only one Springsteen band question for you. Sure. Uh, when when uh, Miami Steve left to pursue his solo career, you kind of came in uh, uh, to be the guitar player in the band at that time. And, of course, Springsteen plays as well. And so now I would imagine on the last tour, it was you and Van Zant and Springsteen in the band. How do you decide who's going to take which solo and who's playing which part um, when you do that? Well, that's very easy. I mean, first of all, Bruce may have an idea of what he wants an individual to do. And if not, um, for instance, all the times that, uh, like when I was out of the band, Bruce and I got a lot of parts together for some songs. And when Steve came back in, he just picked the third part. And I did the same. And when Steve is out there playing, I just look at the guitars Bruce and Steve have on, and I'll take the third part. Every every song usually has four or five guitar parts. You just don't notice them. Okay. So I'm happy to pick up a rhythm guitar and just grab what's next. Whatever's most comfortable for those two, I'll pick the third part. Or like I say, some of the things we did on Born in the USA without Steve, Bruce and I had that in place, and Steve will like pick up a 12-string and pick up a third part there. And once in a while, Bruce will have like a preconceived notion of, like, like for instance, uh, it's just more tools. You know, I learned how to play a little pedal steel mm-hmm. this last tour, and, and Steven's a great mandolin player. And, uh, like, I think to sum up the, the the tools in the band on Youngstown, which was on the live DVD, right. uh, we had Steven on uh, mandolin, and uh, Bruce had Danny playing this beautiful accordion, Roy on synth, Bruce on this raunchy rhythm, and me doing this kind of chorusy psychedelic lead guitar and it was just a lot of tools that bruce has to use and uh, same with the singing you know you got patty who's a fabulous singer and she can be rough or gentle i'm a little in general more gentle and steve's got that fabulous rough rock voice so just a lot of tools for bruce to use and and he's a master at putting them together properly well i I saw the uh, last two or three times and and the highlight for me the first time i saw it which was in uh, oakland uh, it was unanticipated. You guys were doing the song, uh, Should I Fall Behind, Wait for Me. Right. Did, did I get that right? And uh-huh. each, I don't want to say each member, but many of the members come up and sing, uh, uh, what is it, a verse within the song. And when your part came up, it just took me back. I'm like, God, what a great voice that guy has. And so the next two times I saw it, it was really um, stood out for me because I was anticipating it. And so the, here's the question in here is, is we, know, we all know from, I mean, anybody that listens to the records knows that as far as guitar playing skills, you've really got a great skill there. Uh, the voice is amazing. I mean, when you isolate the voice, it is very com- comforting and very, I would say, gentle. And then uh, you're also noted as a great uh, or very accomplished uh, pianist. 
Piano player, keyboard player. Yeah, I play real simple, kind of a, a country melody uh, piano. I, I, I'm a, I mean, I, I got to play a lot on After the Gold Rush. I'm not a virtuoso. We've got Roy Bitten, who's a one of the great, you know, players in history, doing that for us. But I love to play music. I mean, if as long as it's simple stuff, the my piano style worked great and after the gold rush and I was grateful to participate in that. And, you know, singing, I used to grow up, I always wanted to sound like uh, Muddy Waters or Howlin' Wolf. Really? I love the blues. I wanted to sound, you know, Rod Stewart, Bruce Springsteen. And finally about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I gave up. I said, you know, I'm sitting here, I got this voice, I might as well use it. And um, I started really getting comfortable with the voice I have. And, yeah, I like to sing hard, and I stretch out on my shows, but the gentler thing is, is uh, what, I, what I do better, or just making use of the voice I have and, and trying to be the best me I can be. And it uh, sounds like an ad for something. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been, I'm really comfortable singing. And, and this last record, Breakaway Angel, we actually recorded almost all the vocals live in the studio. Because I'm very impatient now in the studio. I love to perform in front of people. It's like therapy. But I, even if it's a good song, I, I lose patience in the studio. So we rehearsed enough outside the studio that when we came in to record, I could sing live, play live, and get a lot of my parts done while the band was putting the track down, uh, which you know left, left the rough edges on, and it got to be a, a more emotional performance, I thought, and... Uh, one of my favorite records, this new one, Breakaway Angel. Well, well, let's listen to a track on it, and I'm going to kind of change our program on you. The uh, ballad, which is the 10th track on the album, which is uh, Heaven's Answer to Blue. Correct. Uh, is, is uh, I got to tell you, the first time I heard it and started to really listen to it, I got goosebumps on my arm. It's <clears> such a, uh, the, the, uh, the story is, is beautiful, you know, and, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you chose yeah, this song? Yeah, that, that's really uh, one of those strange, haunting tunes that, that happened all at once. My wife, Amy, who actually we had our second date in Omaha, I was telling you, um, uh, we've been together seven years, and uh, we met at the at the uh, Stone Pony in Asbury Park 22 years ago, had a great night together, and then I you know, made the mistake of not dragging her on my tour bus to Boston. She wouldn't come with me because she had a job, and I never saw her again. I didn't see her for 15 years. And seven years ago, she walked up at the end of a show in Scottsdale and said, Hi, remember me. We've been together ever since. But anyway, her dad was one of those dads who meant well but was missing in action her whole life. Like she never, you know, left when she was two. Spoke, she spoke to him maybe once or twice as a teenage, young teenager, and then he died on, on, you know, her and her three sisters. And it was really kind of a tragic story. And, um, Amy just, in the last few years, wanted to know more about her dad and found an old aunt that she had no contact with the family. Turns out she lived uh, close to us in Virginia. I have a home in Maryland, too. Anyway, they're great people, Aunt Emily and Uncle Mike. We got to know them. Amy found out more about her father, who she didn't know. And for our wedding, they gave us Amy's father's piano, this old, funky baby grand he used to play all the time, you know. Right. He wasn't just a guy with problems. He played music. He sang for fun. He had a ball. But they delivered the piano to our home in Maryland, and literally the first thing that happened when I sat down on it, I started playing that song. And at first it was just this kind of 40s blues feel, and then all of a sudden I... I got the idea, you know, Heaven's Answer to Blue, and it was one of those magical things that I felt like I didn't really write. It just got channeled through me, and it really was bizarre. It was like her dad was like, you know, hey, you know, let me say sorry, forgive me to my daughter through this piano, and it was very spooky and wonderful, and, and that's the story behind uh, Heaven's Answer to Blue. 
like a lot of parents are good people, but they just don't wind up being good parents. And, you know, it's nice to think maybe in heaven it's never too late to make an amends. Okay. Well, let's listen to that off his latest album entitled Breakaway Angel. This is Nils Lofgren and a track entitled Heaven's Answer to Blue. Good day, angel How I've missed you I'm the father you never knew What I did was wrong I just wasn't strong My absence you suffered through so much more than I dreamed your heaven's answer I don't deserve this On that we're clear Seems it's your prayers being answered here How are you so brave All my sins you forget Here you stand a most precious view You're much more than I dreamed Your heaven's answer to blue Ancient more than I dreamed 
And we're back with more of Pacific Street Blues here on KIWR 89.7 The River. With me this morning is Nils Lofgren, whose latest album entitled Breakaway Angel has just come out. And for those that are just tuning in, of course, they'll recognize Nils not only for his solo performances and his band Grin, which uh, he uh, had as a, as a young man, a teenager, but also for his participation in Neil Young and Crazy Horse, as well as being a member with uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And so when we just got done talking, we had just uh, finished listening to a track off the new album, which is Heaven's Answer to Blue. And uh, it's about the relationship between a parent and a child. And and I wanted to say, I noticed on the uh, Nils Lofgren Acoustic Live album, uh, there's a track on it called Little On Up, which is kind of a similar, uh, it's about what a parent's uh, just enjoying watching their child grow, I guess. Well, it's actually, that's more of the... Uh you know, the success story aspect of it, where a father, uh, you know, tragically uh, loses the wife at birth and has to raise a daughter alone, and it's a story of the different stages of that journey from beginning to end, um, and, you know, having a successful time of it through all the ups and downs. I, I've got ten nieces and nephews. Uh, i got my stepson, Dylan, uh, with Amy, and just watching... Uh, I guess one of my oldest niece is 22 now. My youngest is two or three. So I've seen the the trials and tribulations of parenthood, and I thought, geez, what would it be like if, you know, I was a guy out on my own having to raise a daughter? And that's you know the, how the story developed for little on up. I got to tell you, I, uh, I have a three year old, and then my twins are nine months, and and uh, it's it's kind of interesting as you get older, and the people whose music you've appreciated reflect that change as well you know so i have kids nils is singing about kids wow that's pretty cool <laughs> you know i mean we're changing together i guess you know you well listen it's, it's the heaviest responsibility and toughest job in the world being a parent and as we get older you know you just have to stop being childish and, yeah. and but keep your out for opportunities to be childlike which is always good at any age well phrased now, when I called you, I had indicated that you're uh, currently uh, working in the studio right now as as we speak uh, on your new live album. And uh, can you tell us about that? I mean, yeah, we uh, I've been out with this fabulous band, four piece band, actually Tim Berry and Wade Matthews. The rhythm section on half of the Breakaway Angel album uh, are playing with me with the addition of Buck Brown, a great keyboard player and guitarist. And we've been doing a lot of shows here and in Europe, promoting the record and letting people know about us and uh, we've gotten pretty good so we recorded four nights in annapolis a couple weeks ago and i'm out here at a great studio in virginia with billy wolf this mastering engineer extraordinary who's uh, recorded it and he's mixing it with me now and i'm hoping before the end of the year maybe late fall to get the whole thing done it's looks like looking like it'll be a double cd wow. so it'll be a couple hours of music it's very raw but rough and but emotional and just uh, me with a i think a really great band uh getting in front of an audience and just cutting loose. So I'm hoping to have that out and available in the next few months, and, and it's uh, it's fun to put it together. Now, are you going to have too much, pro- as they say in the industry, are you going to have too much product in the stream at one time? I mean, you've got your new album, Breakaway Angels, just come out, which is a studio album. Right. And, and then you're talking about, you know, in three or four months, maybe five months, having a new double live album. Well, you know, I, again, I'm not I'm not burdened by the big showbiz uh, machine and all their rules and requirements. Uh, this was kind of a kind of a homegrown uh, result of my uh, website. The the people were passing around bootlegs, feeling bad about it, complaining there wasn't enough live music, and these bootlegs sounded terrible. 
Mm-hmm. So I finally thought with my manager asking, well, it's been 18 years since we made a live album. I mean, what are we waiting for? And we have a great band. So we kind of asked the people, you know, hey, we just stop buying the bootlegs and give me a few <laughs> months to get something together here. So, you know, my, we, we'll, we'll know. First, thing, first step is to finish it and then decide when it should come out. But, you know, we could hold it off till next year. But chances are when it's done, you know, there's a certain excitement and shelf life to the excitement of a project. And a lot of people are kind of like, all right, we won't buy any bootlegs, but give us a live record. So I'm working on it. So, so as a result of uh, your interaction with the fan base on the Internet, you were able to, to do this? Absolutely. If it hadn't been for the, this new business and the website and fans kind of, there's a big debate about bootlegs, and I, I weighed in with my take on it. And, uh, you know, basically, thanks to that fan participation is the only reason I would have even thought to do a live album, and now I'm here mixing it. Fantastic! That's that's very cool. Now, yeah, it is. It is a good side, like uh, of of this kind of homegrown stuff using technology, and I'd like to think a good, healthy way. Well, well, let's tell the fans. Uh, for those that are listening, Nils's law, uh, Nils's website is www.nilslofgren.com. Nilslofgren.com, and you had uh, told me uh, off air that uh, it's got a pretty complete discography, which you know. I probably should have read a little more closely <laughs> before well, we talked. Well, it's gigantic. I literally forgot more than half of what I've done. A good friend, Steve Smolin, uh, who has a chain of stores in Baltimore area and finds a lot of great old music, including you know re-releases of mine in different countries, was kind enough to assemble a very accurate discography. And it's pretty, uh, I mean, like I say, I forgot more than half of it, but uh, he was kind enough to organize it for us. So that's a fairly accurate account of my entire 34-year recording history. Okay, and, and you had uh, said something to me, which I think listeners out there might be kind of keen, is that there's a video or a DVD uh, live, what is it, live and raw? Yeah, this is, at the moment, it's a VHS video called okay. Live and Raw. It's 90 minutes of some really roaring uh, club footage of me and, and different bands over the last 10 years. It's available through my website. And I actually, too, have a kind of an instrumental CD called Tough Stuff, Okay. which is the best of the all-Madden team band, music I've done for John Madden's all-Madden teams, you know, the sports yeah. announcer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's very aggressive, roaring stuff. And uh, over the last 10 years, you never hear it much because they're talking over it, and they use a lot of different music for the shows. But right. uh, John gave me permission to put it out as an instrumental record. So there's a lot of cool uh, items out there on my website. and uh, we're, we're just trying to encourage people to check it out and, and uh, give it a listen. Well, I got to tell you, John Madden has my favorite sports quote. Um, and here in Nebraska, as you might imagine, we tend to be college football fans, but I was actually watching him one time, uh, and I'm not much of a pro football fan, but he said uh, a quote, and I always loved it At the end of the game, the guy that scores the most points wins. And I was like, <laughs> Well, John, you got it right there, pal. <laughs> you know? Hard to argue with that. You know, I've never, I'm a big football fan, and I, I, I used to play when I was a kid. And I love to watch on TV with the instant replay, you know, and the comfort of your home and, yeah. and the visibility. But finally, uh, Amy and I met at the Super Bowl, our first one this last time. And we actually were guests of John Madden's and his, his agent, Sandy, who's a good friend. And we got to ride the Madden Cruiser the last wow. trip with Summerall and Madden and just uh, had a great, great time watching uh, what turned out to be one of the better Super Bowls. Absolutely. That, that had to be great. Let, let me ask you this. Because of your, your high profile, do you have problems... And and maybe you don't want to talk about it, but are you allowed the uh, uh, privacy to go out in public and not 
have to sign 10,000 oh, autographs? Yeah, no, I, I never have that problem. I'm, I have a great uh, level of anonymity. Uh, it's very rare that people recognize me when they do. They're very, in general, low-key, and, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, and leave me alone. I, I don't experience any of the... Uh, negative side of of fame that i've i've watched people like you know neil or ringo have to go through or bruce and uh i'm at a level where i'm still extremely anonymous in general <laughs> and that's a good thing yes very good thing well let me remind in public th- yes i mean you you make music to share so you would like the radio to be making everyone sick of your music by playing <laughs> it 18 times a day that would be a a nice thing but it would be well, well, let me ask you this, because you've got, uh, I would imagine, around Washington, D.C. and New York and, and Virginia, a pretty strong concentration of fans, but do you have any other really strong markets in, in, that uh, uh, come out for you? Well, any, you know, everywhere we go, there's, there's uh, every town, there's those couple hundred of hardcore fans that show up, thank God, but uh, I guess one place that comes to mind is England, because it's such a small country, it's like the state of New Jersey or something. When I go to England, I wound up last November doing 26 cities in 30 days. Wow. And uh, every town we had, you know, four or 500 people show up, and that was very exciting for me, and, and you know, I have a lot of gratitude for people that hang in there with me and notice that I'm still, you know, trying to get better at what I do and share it. Is that because the BBC is a, a plays your music more? Or? No, no, it's because I've been going there since 73 every year and doing good shows for them. Cool. And uh, people will either stop doing that or, you know, just don't want to do it, and I've continued to do it. Okay, so, so your new album is out, Breakaway Angel, and uh, we are speaking with Nils Lofgren this morning. Um, touring plans for this record? I know you've got some other tour planned for the fall, but... Yeah, well, you know, I, I had um, this July 5th, we've got a big bash of the Stone Pony. Okay. And um, I had a few uh, shows this summer that at the moment it looks like I'm going to have to postpone or reschedule because uh, it appears as though um, Bruce and the East Street Band may go out and do some playing, which would be great, too. But... Uh, you know, it's pretty much a constant diet in my life of performing, and uh, if uh, we're fortunate enough to go out with the E Street Band when there's breaks or as soon as that ends, I'll continue to play with my own group and uh, get everywhere I can to, to keep uh, playing for people, and uh, it's, it's something that's become therapeutic for me, performing live, so I really love to do it. Well, fantastic. Let's. Uh, I, I know you're in the studio, so um, kind of I'm out of questions. <laughs> Wow, that's 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 I've never heard that before. Well, you know, I mean, I could talk for an hour. I I I do have to say to the listeners, I had the opportunity to meet you in Kansas City, and and uh, uh, what a nice guy you really are. Uh, I'm nobody, and 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 you were so interactive and easy to talk to, and I was comfortable right away, and there was none of that wall of whatever. And, well, thanks, Rick. Uh, you're a big somebody to me because you're playing my music <laughs> on the radio. Nobody does that, so I'm very grateful. Well, well let's hope we see some action here in Omaha uh, with the record. Get people out there for Breakaway Angel. And then, uh, God, I hope you come to Omaha in the fall, you know, I mean, as a I do solo too. artist. I, I uh, you know, either with the E Street or with my own group, I'm determined to get back there. I have real fond memories of a fabulous time there with Amy when we hooked up there on our second date together second week we uh, re-met kind of and uh, we w- i forget what part of the town it was we went around some cool little town and there were all these markets and the old market. cappuccino, old cappuccino shops so yeah, yeah. we yeah. had a great time there and hope to get back fantastic now don't hang up yet but uh, let's okay. let's wind up the air conversation and, and uh, want to say thank you very much i really appreciate uh you helping me get the music out and playing it for people and uh 
just uh, I like to encourage people to check my website out. We post all the dates, and hopefully I can get out your way soon. Fantastic. So let's uh, wind up with this song off his latest album, Breakaway Angel. This is Nils Lofgren, and we're going to listen to a track, which uh, uh, is the first track on the album. I'll get it right this time, which is uh, Putting Out Fires. And is there any anything you can tell us about it before we play that track? Well, it's, I think it's one of the best tracks I've done ever on any record. It's very unusual. Uh, it's just kind of this strange tune that I was putting together. And interestingly enough, last uh, fall, Amy and I treated ourselves to uh, a trip to L.A. to see three Neil Young shows. And <laughs> kind of Neil has always inspired me. And I really completed the song in the hotels that week. I was there visiting him and, and hearing him play. And uh, this is kind of sums up what's best about the record. It's live playing and singing in the studio. I've got a harpist as my rhythm guitar, just for an unusual sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, the band all interacted well, and we left a long extended jam on the end there that happened live in the studio. All right, off the album entitled Breakaway Angel, this is the opening track one more time, which is entitled Putting Out Fires. Nils, thanks very much. Hey, thanks, Rick. All right, I had a sir. great time. I appreciate the help. Thank you, sir. You are crushing 